Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Today we're talking about recruiting your team before, that's before you raise capital. Founders, the quickest way to attract investment is to already have a team in place and the wheels in motion. People will join your startup prior to raising capital when they are committed to you as a leader and the mission of the company. So you do not need the money to hire exceptional talent. You do need to know who the business needs first, then bring value to them personally and or professionally based on their pains and desires. Today's quote, teamwork makes the dream work, but a vision that becomes a nightmare when a leader has a big dream and a bad team. Hmm. Any idea who said that, Mr. Kerry Ransom? I think that was John Maxwell. You are spot on. Good job. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and hiring managers avoid costly hiring mistakes by identifying a specific problem and providing proven solutions to enable your company to win the right hire. We share insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Kerry Ransom. Kerry is the president of the newly formed OC4 Venture Studio and the host of Accelerate OC here on uh, OC Talk Radio as well. Kerry is also an entrepreneurial thrill seeker and a company builder serving team members and customers along the way. He has a founder attitude and even joins a business already underway or take over the reins of a new company. Kerry excels in business and corporate development, technology and product strategy, marketing, sales, channel partner development, and has led many startup to growth companies to pursue through breakthrough business opportunities. He's also done millions of dollars via LinkedIn as well. Carrie, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. <laughs> so this is why I like having you on because you're like the perfect guest. <laughs> we can talk about like any topic. So today we're going to cover. I'm a plane ride friend. I can uh, I can cover most most anything in a you know couple hours. Is that like the single service friend, like from Fight Club? Maybe single serve. Yeah. All right. So today we're going to cover why you should build your team before you try to raise capital, and then we're going to talk about how to recruit people when you have no money to pay them. Sound like fun? That's great fun. All right. So let's talk about why this is important to build your team before you start to raise capital. Sure. So I I think, as I think about it, a couple uh, things. Number one is building a company is a team sport and you need to start determining whether you can get other people excited about joining your team in the earliest possible days. And that could be talking to friends, talking to family, but ultimately, you need just not your cousin Stewart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you need the right capable in the basement. Exactly. But you need the right capable people yeah. around the the table. And as I think about you know this as both a uh, somebody who's joined a lot of startups early on, um, as well as somebody who's invested in a number of startups, one of the ways to build a lot of credibility without yet having capital is by having some key people identified who have said. I'm really interested in this. I'm either already doing some work, maybe it's on the side. I'm committed to joining once some capital's in. It just really helps enhance the credibility of the entrepreneur as well as the credibility of the story because ultimately if we're looking to invest, we're we're looking to try to anticipate where the risks are and ideally try to de-risk as much of that as possibly can and 
often I, I meet founders who have some people around them, but as you meet them, you realize, oh, these are potentially folks that might not otherwise have a job or don't have a job. So they're doing oh, this because, yeah, or they're just friends who are validating the entrepreneur. And I've, I've certainly met those who have people around them. I would, as an objective outsider, say only because they validated them. And there, there's definitely that fatigue you, you can run into where you run your idea by a bunch of people and maybe two out of a hundred say, that's a really interesting idea. And you say, hey, join me because those <laughs> two and they may be the, the least valuable people, but they validate it. And, you know, it can get really lonely when you keep running against that brick wall and hearing rejection over and over. Yes, I don't know that that's a good idea, but as somebody who I naturally am a synthesizer, so I try to take in a whole lot of input and feedback and as best I can, even though it's really hard, try to remove some of my personal bias and entrepreneurs, I think, are often really, really biased, which is why they're they're planning or thinking about starting a company. And some of them is, you know, one of my guests said, hey, most of them are probably at least half crazy, the ones that are going to go really change the world. And so they have to block out some of that. But I still think even if you are proposing some radical change the world idea that you want to go pursue you have to find those people that are going to jump on and support you. and But it's got to be the good ones. And too. you want the good ones. That's yeah. right. Good ones can see see through that. They can see, exactly. right? I mean, somebody who, uh, if this is a technology-centric venture and you're the technologist, people that have worked with other really strong technologists before are going to be able to see through that. Or on the flip side, if you're not the technologist, but you can really see the future of where things are going in an industry, you better figure out how to convince a really credible technologist in that space to get involved. And that validates Oh, the it's business, hugely right? valuable. That's and right. That's, that's what you want. You want somebody who, besides yourself as the entrepreneur, is going to help validate the business. That's right. All right. So where do you see entrepreneurs getting stuck? So I think a lot of them get stuck in trying to figure out terms for this person, meaning I can't approach them so because- it's a transaction piece. It, it is. They, they Instead of thinking about this as a long-term relationship that they need to develop, or instead of looking at this other key person as an investor, yeah, they look at it maybe too transactionally and they say, you know what, I just, there's no way I can go- try to recruit this person because they're going to be too expensive or they're not going to take my call. Or, I love or, when I hear that. Yep. CEOs that I work with, sometimes it'll say the same thing. That is going to be completely out of our price range. I'm like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me talk to them. That's right. And a lot of times, if you can provide something that they're missing in their current role above and beyond what they're getting, can get there, you can attract them out. And for people, sure. People will take less salary in exchange for other uh, covenants or other things that you can give to them. Yeah. The other would be, and I, I, I think I find, you know, some entrepreneurs are really good at this and I, I'm probably uh, an abuser of this as well. And you mentioned LinkedIn, which I have used and, and found incredibly valuable over the many, many years. I'm an years. abuser as well. Yeah. Uh, but, but we should start a LinkedIn abuser fan club. Yeah. It's, it, it, <laughs> you know, but I get abused on it and, and, you know, and, and feel a, a sense of obligation to try to help people on there as well is just providing feedback. Um, and so asking for that and, yeah. and finding those people who have credibility or 
perspective in a particular industry or on a particular topic who are more accomplished in not being afraid as that entrepreneur to go find those people that are world-class, that are amazing. And we're, we're fortunate here in Southern California and Orange County that a lot of them are here. You don't have to go True. outside the area. So you don't even necessarily have to only have a virtual relationship. You could probably start to develop one in person and to really be comfortable as someone not pretending you know everything, but really seeking to invite them in to be a part of it, that's what is going to appeal to some of the best future team members in your organization is they're going to see a leader who is open and collaborative and real. And that's appealing to some of the best people out there, a place where they can come in and feel like they're really a part of it, that they're coming in at that early stage and can help shape it and contribute and ultimately, in the best companies, you typically see a, a really collaborative team where by them working together, they're getting the, the best outcomes. That seems to be a bit of a difficult transition, I think, for a lot of the people who are kind of solopreneurs that are trying to become entrepreneurs, that they want to do everything themselves. Yes. They, they have it all figured out, and they have a hard time asking for help. That's right. Anything else that you see? Uh, yeah, I think that's a, a really common, and, and it's probably a human survival instinct uh, in many respects. This notion of I, I can show no weakness. I have to act as if I know everything. And I often go overboard when I meet an entrepreneur and they're telling me exactly how they've got it all figured out and they just need some capital and everything will be great. And I just start asking questions and I'll ask about um, where they are with their product or where are they with their customer development or their pricing or their team recruiting, et cetera, and quickly realize that they've got a lot of things they haven't figured out. I tell them that's okay. You know, my expectation, when you, when you tell me you've already figured out your, you haven't sold a single customer and you've already figured out your pricing and your margin and all these things, I'd say, well, we're just, it's okay. We're just going to assume that you're wrong. And <laughs> Let's focus more on a process by which we go validate what it should be and what it will be. And that really your advantage at the early stages as an entrepreneur is your speed of learning. Well, most entrepreneurs, too, don't know their customer. They don't even know who their customer is going to be or why. That's that's they're, they're building a product, not necessarily a solution to which they're building for a customer a lot of times. Correct. And some of the best businesses start really with the customer problem. And they haven't even figured out the solution. They've figured out that there's a problem worth solving. And then they may come up with multiple solutions. And then with the help of the customer, determine which of those solutions has the highest likelihood for adoption, for satisfaction, for payment at a margin that you can afford to build a business around, right? So God, I hope entrepreneurs so, are listening to this right now because yeah. this is really valuable information that you're giving us right now. Like start with the customer first. Is, is that something they, I don't know, do when, when you see a lot of entrepreneurs that come to you that are looking for investment, I mean, how many of them actually have that figured out? I would say, you know, maybe half at the most. Okay. Uh, the ones that I'm going to personally gravitate to are the ones that are obsessive about what I would call the things that matter. And the things that matter are building the right product or solution, serving that customer really, really effectively, figuring out a scalable, cost-effective, go-to-market 
strategy. That that is the the stuff that ultimately leads to success or failure. Now we talked about a team. To do that well, you likely are going to need a team of people, and there is such value in having a team of people around the table who have done that before. Ideally, they've done it before in this industry or in this segment, and they can help cut through a lot of the either mistakes or time that it otherwise takes to figure things out and, and make decisions. And so one of the great ways to, to start is to get advisors around the table or to get people that can give you a little bit of time. But people are going to be much more willing to give that if they feel like you're actually listening, that you're actually giving real consideration to the input. Because I've seen it very, very clearly firsthand where I've been asked to become an advisor in a company only to, and, and again, you know, this comes from, from a place of, I don't ever need to be right, but I'm pretty convinced that I've never met anybody who's always right. That's and very true. so that attitude of, of, again, I've got it all figured out. Maybe some people really embrace and gravitate to that kind of perspective and attitude, but it's just not what really resonates with me. So the kind of entrepreneurs that I tend to really resonate with are the ones who want to get the best people around the table they can find and welcome the help and and realize that this is only going to scale as far as the entrepreneur him or herself can scale and so that is, it's a and you really can't do much as a single person that's right and it's challenging right yeah. and, and if you really want to take it all the way the ultimate jobs that a ceo if you really want to take it all the way and be the ceo of this startup that you're, you're trying to get off the ground and you see a vision in which you could have 50 or 100 or hundreds or thousands of people, your ultimate jobs are making sure you continue to cast and deliver on that vision, making sure you've got proper capital in that company. And probably the third and most important is getting the best talent you can possibly get. God, I almost that think that's the most team. And those, those three are really the yeah. ones that you can, you know, as a CEO, you kind of can't offload. And so you may be no, doing you those scare, three. As a CEO, though, you can scare them away really quickly. Oh, yes. For sure. Very, very quickly. For sure. All right. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm Rick Gerard, And for our podcast listeners, here's a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Find out how healing a person's pain points attracts amazing people to your company. Sign up for our passive talent workshops and webinars at stridesearch.com. Our guest we're talking today is Kerry Ransom. He's the president of OC4 Venture Studio, and he's the host of Accelerate OC here on OC Talk Radio. And we're talking about recruiting before capital. Really, what we're kind of delving into is the mindset that, that needs to be in, in play here. Let's talk a little bit about that. Where, sure. What kind of mindset is attractive to most investors? And, and actually, it's attractive to most people who you're trying to recruit as well. That's right. It's a really interesting challenge because on one hand, you as, as an entrepreneur have to convince yourself that you are going to succeed when most of the data out there, I just saw it earlier this morning, 90% of all startups fail. And so if you, if you see that data, that's not very encouraging of leaving a job or starting something. So you have to convince yourself, I am in that 10% that's going to figure this out, that's going to succeed. And so that requires a reasonable amount of ego, even potentially some self-delusion. Um, <laughs> and, <pull> <laughs> and so that's where you have to start. 
And then as you actually start to have some success, that can sometimes get in the way. I have seen firsthand entrepreneurs who look at a situation where there's been some success and they take credit for all of it, even if there have been others who have contributed. And I can tell you very confidently that's very off-putting to a team who's put blood, sweat, and tears in as well. And maybe they weren't the founder, maybe they weren't the CEO, but they feel a sense of contribution, a sense of ownership. And so as the company starts to develop, it almost needs to go the entire other way, where the the really strong leaders that can grow as an organization grows almost become egoless. And they they really want to start embracing the team getting more and more of the credit and the team developing more of an attachment and ownership to the overall company. I, I almost look at it as if um, if we got to 100 people and all 100 of those people were telling their friends that they had been a founder of the company, I could pretty confidently say there's going to be a good culture in that company because all those people are thinking like founders, so thinking really like need, owners. You really need to, as a CEO, you need to start that way. You have to have a little that balance of craziness, plus you really have to pull that ego aside. And, Ideally. Because especially if you want to attract good people. That's right. Because you can, you can attract good people in if you've got the money. You can buy them. But if you want them to stay and you want them to continue to contribute, you're going to have to give credit to everybody else. You know, raise those around you. Yes. And and I think you're right. You do want to start that way, but it's hard. Yeah. It is hard because in many cases you're looking in the mirror and you, you've seen a struggle or a rejection. A lot of and, <laughs> you, and And so that's why, you know, yeah. you look at the, the growth of people like coaches in uh, the executive ranks or even with entrepreneurs, and I know you have had several on here, and I look at it and say, you, you need those around you. You oh, need God, mentors, yeah. you need advisors, you need coaches, you need that support system. This is a team endeavor, and whether that's a, a spouse or another family member or someone else in the community, just like you're seeking out team members to join you in the full-time pursuit to the extent you need them, finding those other support resources or support members around you, thats that to me is an extended part of the team. I mean, you almost need somebody to just slap you down when you when you start feeling super high on yourself, right? Yes. Yeah. As we're going into leading into how do we attract them, I think there's a, there's a point where you really have to start giving credit. And if you do it sooner rather than later, I mean, that's way more attractive to somebody than, hey, look, at I'm building this company and you can come join me. Yes. Right. Like I'm the I'm <laughs> I'm steering the boat as opposed to I'm rowing it. And you guys can you know ride on my back. Yeah, and you know I think in in some respects I I had great role models. I I grew up in a family business. I saw father and my grandfather who both were really strong servant leaders who would never ask anybody to do anything that they weren't willing to do themselves, and it just modeled a, a behavior for me that. I found to be very attractive, not just because they were relatives, but because I just felt like they, they were doing good in yeah. the world. And, you know, not that I'm uh, 100% on point all the time, but I think that is the type of leader that even more relevant today probably than ever before. That's what people are really excited about and want to work with is that, you know, they, they want less hierarchy. They want more 
flat organization. Sense. They want, yeah. yeah. They want a sense of co-ownership and co-creation, just just like we talked about with, with customers. How does one build a team without having money? As we talked about, you know, getting that practice of, and, and in some cases, this is a numbers game. You, you need to try to identify those people who could be relevant. And, and so you really, need to network. Yes. You really need to get out and network. You need to get out. I mean, you need to do that to really validate whether you even have something. So networking broadly, but also being really specific and looking, mm. you know, if you're going to build a team, I don't know many entrepreneurs who go through the discipline of saying, here's what the team probably needs to look like out of the gate. Here's what the team needs to look like a year from now two years from now. I don't think there's that and, that goes into it. And most of the time they're yeah. not. And you really need to be recruiting those people well before you ever Way before. need them. Because especially the best ones, you're going to need to convince them. And that is building a relationship and starting to either have others help you or you building that relationship to where they trust you implicitly to say, I'm willing to bet on this and become part of this over the other options that the best people out there invariably have. From my experience, when you're recruiting people, it's a it's especially for startups, this is a nurture campaign. This isn't a yes. hey, look at I got money. Exactly. You know, getting out, networking, meeting, ident like you mentioned LinkedIn earlier. Finding the people that you think are going to help you grow your business and then developing that relationship with them is so key. That's right. And then once you, you start to develop a relationship, then seize that opportunity. Ask for help. Yes. You know, ask them to That's be right. an advisor. Ask yes. them to do. Because, and they, you know, naturally, yeah. if, you're, if I'm feeding you a bunch of really cool work and you're giving me help and you are buying into the cause, then you're going to naturally lean into it and want to work. That's right. And, and I think the other the other point that you really alluded to there is that there are a lot of different forms in which someone could be part of a team. And I think the best entrepreneurs realize that not everyone has to have the exact same level of involvement, engagement, commitment to still be valuable part of the team. Yeah. And that people, for various reasons life circumstances, how much capital or what you can uh, provide at that point in time. I mean, there are people that would spend hours a week with a startup because they're totally bought in and they may have a full-time job and they just, they need to do it that way to start. And there could be others that say, you know what, I'm in an okay place. You've convinced me I need to be a part of this. I'll work for equity only for a period of time. And so... And don't be cheap on the equity. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Look at them as... I look at every single person as an investor. And the fact that they're going to contribute time or they're going to contribute capital, whatever combination of that, they're all investors. You want them all invested in the success. So really approach them through that mindset. So to your point, don't be cheap on no. that with your investors don't be cheap thing, on that with your people you have, right? that's right so or all right i'm getting the wrap-up thing from paul really paul quick. come on we, we have <laughs> just getting going here i know right give me a couple of key takeaways that you want to give the audience so that uh, they can plug that into their business yeah i think the you know number one is i just was talking about it, is be open to different types of arrangements don't feel like you have to dictate the terms and Use others out there who maybe have even other creative ideas on how you might be able to pull someone into your organization. So many other ways, by the way. So many other ways. That's right. The other is be careful when you have people who are 
advisors or around you to not oversell their involvement. Um, particularly in a community where the world's pretty small, you have LinkedIn as a as a valuable resource. There is a lot of blind reference, blind, oh yeah, uh, background checks, back channel, and references. other kinds of conversations that happen. So be careful that you don't overstate, and that is a common trait that a lot of entrepreneurs have. They need they need to sell the vision, sell the the traction ahead of the traction. So I'm just saying, be careful with that. And then the final is really find someone or a group of people to be really real with you to keep you, to just keep you grounded because... Those who challenge you and those who stimulate the best. That's right. In almost all cases, the best team wins. So, you know, just recognize that, that having that around you is going to ultimately benefit everybody involved. That's right. The best team wins. You're spot on. All right, Carrie, we're out of time for today's show. I want to thank you for your time investment today and welcome you once again to the Higher Power Radio Committee because you actually helped me out early in the show when I first started. I think you were guest like five or six or something like that, right? It's great to be back. Woo, love it. All right, now what's the best uh, way for members of our community to reach you? So you can certainly find me on LinkedIn. That is an <laughs> easy place. Uh, and there aren't a lot of people out there named Carrie Ransom, so I'm pretty easy to find. And uh, you can also reach me at Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y, at OC4V, which is our OC4 Venture Studio. Dot com. So OC4V.com. And that's a new startup venture studio where we're partnering with great high potential entrepreneurs here in Orange County. All right. Well, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Rao, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, you can subscribe, review, and share. We're listening and we welcome your feedback. After all, this shows for you. Join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Join us next week. Our guest is going to be Robert Davis. Robert is the CEO of Communities for Cause. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio. 